welcome to the Brad Worthy Culture Podcast, where leaders share how they've created a company so incredible their employees have to tell their friends about it. And now, here's your host, Jordan Peace. Hello, hello. This is Jordan Peace, and welcome to the Brad Worthy Culture Podcast. This is our very first episode, so let me take a minute to talk about the purpose of our podcast and the types of guests I'll be interviewing. The idea here is to celebrate companies that have built a bragworthy culture, tell stories of how that culture was built and how it's being developed today so that listeners can take away practical and philosophical advice and apply it to their own companies. Our guests will include people leaders such as CPOs and HR managers, employee experience professionals and experts, CEOs and other C-suite execs that enjoy a bragworthy culture, and sometimes simply an employee of a workplace with an outstanding culture that has a story to tell about the impact that their employer has made in their lives. The goal here is simple. By celebrating top cultures and sharing insights, our hope is that everyone everywhere will experience a workplace that's more satisfying, rewarding, and purposeful. Today, we're chatting with Farwell Head of Employee Experience, Nick Lombardino. At Farwell, Nick has had roles in not only employee experience, but marketing, operations, and client solutions. Nick also is co-founder of CultureCon, which I encourage him to plug shamelessly. And in preparation for the podcast, I discovered that he's an avid cribbage player, one of the few cribbage players under the age of 100. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Thrilled to be here. You like to start with a jab right away at the cribbage? <laughs> hey, any any opportunity to to plug cribbage will always have my heart. Yeah, I'm I'm a, car, <laughs> a proud card carrying member of the American Cribbage Congress. So uh, yeah, that wow. has been. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know. I don't know how I feel about going national with uh, with that news, but. Yeah, I mean, cribbage is a big part of our company culture. We have some fierce wow. cribbage players. Yeah, fierce. Wow. And so we, we keep awesome. that that competitive. Yeah, you bet. That's awesome. Well, speaking of your culture, I, you know, I'd love to jump in. And as described in your intro, you've had quite a few roles in the organization. And many of them have been very much on a strategic level and whatever the strategic objectives are of the company at that time. But then at some point, you and the rest of the leadership team decided, hey, we're going to take a guy like Nick, one of our strategic guys, very, very early hire, and we're going to dedicate you for some period of time to employee experience. So what led to that? What was the trigger that said, hey, we're, we're going to move you into this employee experience role now and for some specific purpose, I'd imagine? Yeah, yeah. A lot of it has to do with companies maturing over time. So in the early years, I think how we approached recruiting to our company, it was a little bit to our advantage that so many of our leadership team members had lived and worked in the greater Madison area. So our company is headquartered in in Madison, Wisconsin. So so many of us, through doing consulting for so long, we had kind of built this this network of trusted individuals that we were kind of easily able to reach out to and pull into far well when the timing was right. And so through that kind of like organic way of pulling people into our company early on, we amassed a group of people who were just already aligned with kind of our, although they weren't stated yet, already aligned with our values and the people that we wanted to work with. And a lot of them were pretty senior in their career. Well, then over time, as the company continued to grow and grow, and we started to get more and more individuals on our team, 
the idea that we could just have a totally autonomous workforce with no regular support and guidance was was unrealistic. So it was around that time where I kind of made a transition out of sales, what we call client solutions, and created a more dedicated role for us to start really being thoughtful and intentional about creating an employee experience that help people not only flourish professionally, but also personally. We're really an organization that puts our team members first. And if we do it in a way where people truly feel like we're empowering them to tap into their intrinsic motivators and their strengths and their values, man, if we're harnessing that right, then that's only going to provide the most meaningful experiences for our clients. So that was kind of like the the vision, call it yeah. two and a half years ago, is we want to we want to be really thoughtful about this. So that's kind of when I when I made that transition, start building the foundational building blocks to make that a reality. That's excellent. And so you've spent some time and you figured a lot of that stuff out, you know, and, and I'm sure you've developed over that course of time a more and more streamlined language or vernacular around who we are, right, as a company, who Farwell is and where we're headed and so forth. When you apply that to attracting talent, like when you apply that to the the outside of your organization and your employer brand, let's call it, what are the few features of your organization, the tenants, the values, whatever word you want to use, that are included in every post, every listing, every pitch? What does that sound like? So it really comes back to our why we exist statement, which I would say we got clarity on about three years ago. So, right, like the first few years being in business, you're still very much in this mindset of pressure testing and figuring out what the market's looking for and how are we adjusting to changing market trends and customer expectations. But after a certain amount of time, we were able to really zero in on not only the credibility associated with our services, but really the type of individual that we found to be successful within our company. So then it was kind of a question of just like, you know, well, let's take some time to reflect on who those people are and why are they coming to our organization in the first place. So to fast forward to today, the why we exist statement is really grounded in change. And that was a big reason why our company was so excited to partner with Fringe is because there's so much overlap in this mindset. And I'll get to that in a second. But but change is we exist, we as far well, we exist to help our team members and our clients thrive in a world of constant, fast-paced change. And it's very intentional on why we list right our team members first, right? Because they're the ones who ultimately are are tasked with doing that delivery for our clients. But I don't know, I think I think we can all agree that we live in a world that's just really dominated by competing priorities, digital distractions, instant gratification, right? And it's not it's not hard to to feel like your your mental state is just like a a snow globe, right? Just so many things swirling around you. And that's not a healthy way to live. And so we're all learning into this as a, as human beings right now, especially with the pandemic has brought to us, but so much of Farwell being successful is us helping our team members really identify how you can be present and focused in the moment, creating the healthy space that you can that you can tap into that's going to give you that restorative property of being able to come back to work and be all the more energized and focused. Some people call it the flow, right? Being in that flow state of doing work. Like that's yeah. really what we're all about. And we have we have a lot of 
work to do in that regard, both as Farwell and sure. as human beings being accountable to ourselves. But I think that's like, that's the super exciting thing. The silver yeah. lining in the pandemic, right? Is like so much increased awareness towards what am I doing day in and day out to make space for myself, right? To flourish right. personally and professionally. So anyway, long-winded way of me saying it's the why statement, Jordan, that we've really yeah. been able to like rally, rally behind. And then everything else comes out of that, right? The whole Simon Sinek yeah. start with why. Yep. So the who mm -hmm. we are, the how we work, the what we do, it all comes back to helping our team members and our clients thrive in a world of constant fast-paced change. True. Then right now and in 2020 and continuing into this year. I love that learning into this. Yeah, I very much feel that way over the past 18 months or so. So one thing that you said, I mean, a lot of things you said, uh, I was nodding my head like crazy. If people are listening to this and not seeing the video, they, they don't know that. But there's a lot of sort of amens going on in my nonverbal. But one thing that you said that was interesting, you, you really just breezed over it. But this idea that there are attributes of, of people that you know to be successful inside your organization, right? And obviously, the organization is going to be diverse in so many ways, right? But there's always a seam of something, right, that's in common, that, that a shared value or a shared something. And, and clearly, people are rallying around the why, right? But, but from an attribute standpoint, what is it that's sort of inside that applicant when they first come in? that you look at and the light bulb goes off and you're like, eh, probably so. They're, they're probably going to get another interview here. Yeah. Yeah. So we've gotten a lot more intentional recently about early on in the interviewing process, really being able to tease out what you're describing, Jordan. So a, a few of our core values as a, as a company, accountability, collaboration, but the one that just like is really the one that gets us the most excited when we're talking to people. And I think it's a little uncommon for companies to state a value like this is humility. And there are sub, there are sub components or what we call core competencies that are underneath humility that have to do with valuing different perspectives, having self-awareness, valuing a growth mindset. But that really is one of the key determining factors when we talk to potential team members is really trying to, to gauge that level of humility, because that, I mean, that's really what, what helps us be incredible um, team members to one another, but also being able to walk into really challenging client environments and knowing how to humble ourselves and recognize we don't know what we don't know and know how to create meaningful relationships with stakeholders and other project team members in a way that's kind of right grounded in in humility yes. and that and that's been a huge difference maker for us over the past two years i think it's, i think it's a beautiful a beautiful word and and very much just as an employer i would agree wholeheartedly that that's something that when i recognize that in someone it's like wow i want to get to know them more i want you know this person is somebody that kind of regardless of the ways in which we're different the fact that they have that attribute right we we can you're out of way to work together successfully. So it's, that's, it's, that's a beautiful thing. It's so true. And I think it's uncommon speaking to the management consulting industry. I think there are a lot of organizations out there that kind of pride themselves on leading with a culture of expertise. And, and that's great. And I, and I, 
I don't mean to say that that's the wrong way of doing things, right? Like it's, it, but it's, it's a different mindset. It's a different culture. Sometimes that, that, what that portrays is an aura of maybe overinflated confidence or going into environments where you already think you have the solution in your head before you even start doing it. Right. So it feels a little bit more prescriptive and rigid. And so I only bring it up because a lot of people are like, Humility, real okay, yeah. Tell us more about that. Like that's that's uncommon, <laughs> yeah. right? In this yeah. in this industry. So anyway, it is. It is. I, I completely I completely agree with you. One of it, one of the things that makes me most nervous is someone who's a subject matter expert and they're coming into to the our organization, and I, I worry that they're and, and it's not necessarily true, but I worry that they're not going to be able to be a learner. That they're going to come in and just go. Right. This is the way. You know, and totally. uh, and and go, you know, kind of their own direction. So appreciate that. That's fantastic. You haven't even had a year to observe this yet, but I'll ask it anyway to see if you have observed anything. When it comes to employees, and, and maybe let's just speak to employees as as opposed to employer listeners for a minute. If I'm an employee and Maybe my company didn't do so well in the pandemic. Maybe I find myself looking for a new job now. What is the character trait or that attribute outside of what we've already talked about that's probably especially important during these work from home years, during Mm. this time where there's less accountability and there's less structure around work hours and there's so much that's different. But what is that thing that maybe you're looking for as an employer that you're like, you're going to need to have X because you know, you're working at home and, and there's not a lot of sort of, yeah. you know, minute by minute interaction. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about this conversation was kind of like the future of work, right? It's like, right. What, what's going to happen <laughs> yeah. in the future where we have generations in the workforce that are able to work from where they want. And now all of a sudden it's like, it's not the future of work. It's the, reality of right now. And so I think that's another probably beautiful silver lining of the pandemic is because yeah. it kind of helped helped expedite this. But yeah, to, to zero in on your question, and this is something that I personally spend a lot of time thinking about because I, I need to do a lot of work in this area as well. From the employer standpoint, I think there's an, an increasing accountability to how companies are trying to help show employees the right ways to create that healthy relationship between when you're at work and when you shouldn't be at work. And there was a comment that I heard in a, in a presentation recently from a, an org culture expert. He asked this question, are we working from home or are we living at work? And just in that moment, it was like, that's right. That's real. That's real. And so to bring it to the employee perspective, we have, faster access to technology when we wake up at home and we got work right there. A lot of the times our meetings throughout the day are just kind of stacked on top of one another and we lose out on those moments when we were in person that was just unproductive time that was to be celebrated, right? You, you see your, your coworker downstairs, you take a walk around the block, you go and get coffee, you strike up a conversation. These are the things that for many are restorative and helpful to create those mental, right, those mental spaces so that you can come back to work and just be that much more energized and focused. But now, unless we're accountable to ourselves, 
which is very hard to do. Now we can very quickly get burned out by right blinking your eyes. It seems like in your days gone and you're reflecting on right. what, right? Like I just like seven yeah. meetings. I got a to-do list that I didn't even right tap into. And so I think the beautiful thing that's happening right now is although there's a higher demand for progressive organizations that are delivering a culture and behaviors that are conducive to this stuff at the end of the day, it's on us to like, to give that permission to ourselves to block off time. Right. Like, and I've been saying like the more visible, the better. So the CEO at Farwell, his name's Jason Potter. The guy has, a million and one responsibilities on his plate day in and day out. But he has been very intentional on blocking time on his calendar to go out and do things that give him restorative properties. So like maybe it's paddle tennis and he puts that on his calendar. So everybody can see that the big guy is out doing paddle tennis, right? At like three thirty, two in the afternoon, whatever it is. And when you see yeah. that, it's like that, that feeling of permission and grace yes. of being like, well, if, if he's doing it and he keeps telling us to do it, right? Like, right. that's awesome. So, yeah, right. Then it, then it's just a matter of, do you have enough self-control like control to be like, mm. I'm going to step away from this, this list of things that I have to get done or this task and just give myself permission to get out of the house and just do those things that are only going right. to benefit me. And, the, and that's where, that's where I'm pointing the finger at myself, right? This is a struggle yeah. for all of us because your brain is always going to create an excuse on why it makes more sense just to get that thing over the finish line. Or if you could just send that one right email right. or get that thing, it's always going to be there. So we got to really, really try and give ourselves the accountability to, yeah. to do whatever that thing is. Yeah, it's always another just, right? If I just just need to, you know, it's always another. That's the word everybody uses in their own minds, and even when they're called out as well. Yeah, I agree, man. It's just, it comes it comes down to boundaries, you know. It's like right, we, we can enjoy this work life blend, but we also can can destroy it, right? We also can abuse it if we can't have boundaries between the two. And uh, what a beautiful thing to have your CEO do that publicly and create that permission that it's so that's brilliant i love it's it's something 30 years ago that would be seen as shameful and and i would very much applaud that um behavior and that leadership taking leadership in that way that's that's awesome the it's a little bit of a different bunny trail but physical space that we work into i think what i'm learning about myself is if i stay in my office all day, even if I'm doing things that aren't work related, right? Maybe I'm working out, maybe I'm eating lunch, whatever it is. But if you stay in that physical space, your brain is still associating that space with work. And I think that's another interesting thing that we're learning into is the ability to change up that physical space while you're working, right? Because if you're in the office, for a lot of people, there is flexibility to being able to work from different rooms, conference rooms, different areas. And so that's something that I've started to experiment with at home is it's hard because I don't like moving away from my dual screen docking station setup. But right. if I can like unhook and get down into the patio or go into the living room, there is a different psychology and mental state by just switching up the physical space from time to time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely do. And and I work in my garage about 30% of the time when the weather permits, because I, I just, 
I'm at a workbench, you know, my tools are hanging on the wall and I got my laptop. Hopefully a hammer doesn't fall on, on the laptop someday. But just just for that very reason, I'm standing, I'm somewhere else. And of course, the kids pour in and out of the garage, attached garage all the time. But it's worth it, you know, to have that, quote, distraction for the change Absolutely. of scenery. And of course, I, I love seeing them most of the time, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, most of the time, it depends on how often they pop in but I know a lot of people can relate to that these days. I guess what I'd love to hear, and you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse on this whole COVID thing, but it's not necessarily about COVID. It's about the, it's about this new normal of work. It's about, even if we return to two days a week, three days a week in the office, or maybe 40% of our workplace comes in and 60% is remote. It, it's just changed forever. I'm pretty confident in that. Knowing that, what is, what's been sort of the creative, pro, like what's the creative process yielded for you guys since this all happened and since the future of work became now? What have been those brilliant breakthroughs when it comes to supporting and caring for your people that just clicked, that maybe wouldn't have clicked if mm-hmm. it wasn't forced upon us? We've had a few light bulb moments recently in that in that regard. I would say even before the pandemic, our company runs a disseminated workforce, right? So that idea of people working remote, um, we right. were already pretty comfortable with, but we were still able to create physical in-person experiences for us to be together and be connected as a team. And right, that was everything from all company, all hands meetings, but even beyond kind of the typical business stuff, it was happy hours, it was bowling, it was going to baseball or games, right? Just a reason to be together and celebrate one another's company was just like massive for our employee experience. And so when that went away, trying to get creative around how can we still cultivate those feelings of connection was a bit of a challenge. The ones that have really helped benefit us here in the near term and there's no shortage of, of virtual games now, but we got really into Jeopardy. So like I, like usually nice. about every other month, I fumble my way through trying to figure out meaningful categories and questions, but <laughs> right, get the company together. I play Alec Trebek and right, and we have right. we have a go at it. So I think that's one example, but there have been a lot of kind of fun right. and silly ways where we've create, created um, digital connection. But the one that I think has been the most beneficial a colleague of mine kind of coined this to me. Um, he calls them structured, unstructured meetings. So structured mm. in the sense that you have dedicated time on the calendar that's repeating, but there's right. no agenda. Like the only reason you're having that meeting is because you want to enjoy one another's company, right? Virtually. Right. Yeah. And so each yep. of you have your, you got your French press or you got whatever you got going on and you, right, share your cup of coffee yeah. and just shoot the Chit-chat. breeze. Just chit chat, yeah, yeah. because that I mean that's what we're so many of us are missing is the proverbial water cooler talk and just having yes. that dedicated time to just learn more about your colleagues, hear how things are going in their world, and that's what these structured unstructured meetings provide is that opportunity and intentionality that. to get into it. Man, that's great. That's perfect. And this is this is not a pitch. I have no affiliation with this company whatsoever. Let me throw that out there first. Disclaimer time. But I recently got something called a sidekick. Are you familiar with sidekick? No. It's it's the simplest like thing in the world that any of us should have come up with. But it's essentially a, a galaxy note, you know, it's a it's a tablet 
that sits on a stand next to my computer and people on our team, we haven't gotten enough for everybody yet because there's like a shortage or something, but people on our team, I can just click on their picture and it'll like zoom me to a call with them. Not even a call. Like it's like the Brady Bunch all the time. They're just there like right now. Like I can see people right now. They can't hear me. They can see me if I want them to. I can turn the video on and off or mute or whatever, but it's just an opportunity for kind of idle chit chat. It's like, hey, what are you working on? You know, and it feels like it, it well, I, I'm not going to go that far. It doesn't feel like I'm back in the office. I, I, I can't wait for that day. But it's the closest thing I found. Because, and I just I don't feel alone. I just glance over and I'm like, oh, so and so working like just I just feel like I'm OK. It's like a warm blanket socially. Love that. Love that new product that just came out. That's genius. Yeah, I had not yeah. heard of that. But that that makes every sense in the world of even right. even if you're not actually talking to them just the yeah. just seeing right just seeing your yeah. colleagues in front of you and knowing that i could just press a button and be able to strike up a a quick conversation i could totally see that being yeah worthwhile oh i'm glad you shared that yeah. i'm gonna look that up sidekick yeah check that out i mean it makes those structured unstructured times so much easier because you can just schedule you could just have it you don't even have to schedule a zoom call you can just have a time in mind in the afternoon and everybody just goes into the chat room together. Yeah. You know? Cause that's so. like, that makes a ton of sense. Right. Cause when you, I know I've harbored feelings of guilt when I want to just have a, a conversation like that with a team member and I look at their calendar and I'm like, right, right. Jordan's having, I don't want to overwhelm. Right? Right? I don't want to, I don't want to throw something on his calendar. Uh, I don't right. want to burden him any more than he's already, right? So sidekick, man. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great idea. Yeah, dude. So somebody's going to reach out and thank me for that one. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not getting any kickback, I promise. So I, I just figured, hey, we're sharing ideas. And so that was one that came to me. But I think another piece of that is when I've been thinking about how to run meetings well, I've been thinking the same thing that you have, that normally – we're walking to a conference room, right? We're chit-chatting, we're getting coffee, whatever. We go to the meeting, the, the meeting, the business happens, right? And then we're walking back somewhere, right? Or we're walking to lunch afterwards and we're debriefing and there's all this, I got to, I literally have a child in my screen right now. Well, welcome hey, to sweetie. the COVID, uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sweetheart, it's, right. I'm getting a hug. Oh, that um, is amazing. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's my uh, soon-to-be eight-year-old Avery. What a great that! Really hey, like Avery. Yeah, because that's like <laughs> I, that happens to me all the time, right? Kids, kids walk in while I'm having a discussion yeah. with a, with a colleague, and what I found is even though me as the father in the moment's like, "Whoa, buddy!" Right? Like, can't right, right. talk right now. Right. Every Step everybody on. else is just like, "Oh my <laughs> gosh." Right. Like all of a sudden, like empathy goes right way through the roof and they want to talk to them. Right. right totally. <laughs> so I, I try and balance my like anxious father energy with. Right. right. Yeah, yep. Yep. <laughs> with other people celebrating. Like, yeah, it's OK. <laughs> You're OK. Yeah. Uh, yep. Didn't I lock that door? Yeah. Those questions <laughs> going through your mind. Cool. Oh, here's a question that I think would be a little not so positive, not so maybe easy to answer, but like you guys have a great culture. I've experienced that to an extent through through you and through you know our, our organization being partnered in some ways, but it doesn't always go perfectly, right? So I guess what I would 
be interested in hearing about is when it goes poorly, whether you hire someone that you were positive was a good fit and they were not a good fit, or there's some toxic something that finds its way into the organization. What is the thing for your organization, or, or maybe you've experienced once or twice, that's just been the most toxic, that's been the thing that you're like, ah, we got to eradicate that thing as fast as possible. You got a visitor, don't you? I am. I'm going to answer your question. But man, that's like right on cue, dude. It's incredible. Come here, buddy. Come here. You can say, you can say hi. Okay, I'm going to introduce you to my, my son, Owen. Come here, pal. Whoa, it's a green goldfish that he's eating. It's t- Today is Owen's birthday. So that's why I want him to be able to say, uh, say hi. Uh, hey, Owen. You, you want to wave? Say hi to Jordan. All right. Good hey, job. Buddy, happy birthday to, to you. He's saying happy birthday to you. Yeah. All right. I'll come find you when I'm done. Man, that was amazing. That was like right. That was right on cue. Um, incredible. Perfect timing. Gave me time to process your question too. It's just like there you awesome. go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I would say it's coming back to values again. But one of our values of accountability, one of the desired behaviors that's associated with that value, is actually conflict, which is a really interesting mm-hmm. thing to state as a desired behavior. But when when we learn more about what conflict is really about, and you kind of get past your initial feelings, right? Because you think of uncomfortable conversations, you think of abrasive, right. right? Kind of verbal and nonverbal. But really, when you unpack conflict, it's really just trying to get to the truth of the situation. Like conflict is truth seeking. So part of our company being accountable to one another and our clients is to seek out conflict. And to do it in a way that's still grounded in humility and collaboration, but we're trying to find the truth of the matter. And so, right, so it totally helps diminish back channeling, right, conversations Mm. that can happen within the company. I mean, it's like, it's to the point where if you detect that those conversations are happening, you're telling your team member, hey, have have you talked to this person, right, about this yet? Like, have you expressed your feelings? Have you tried to get to the truth, the root cause analysis, right? That sort of stuff. And that is really, and that's hard. Like, I don't want to make it sound like it's been, it's been mastered, but the mentality of like, I'm accountable to myself and to my peers to find the truth so that we can make good out of it is, is really the difference maker. Because if you don't address the truth and if you don't seek the conflict, you're going to get stuck in negative mm. thought patterns, right? The making the wrong assumptions and not not creating the empathy between yourself and the other team member or stakeholder on really appreciating where one another is coming from. This is the pot calling the kettle black man. It's a it's a hard <laughs> it's a hard thing to get comfortable with, but it is a it's a beautiful mental shift to kind of lean into that. Yeah. And you know, I would imagine that in order for that to work, in order for people to feel the freedom to do that and to pursue reconciliation and those sorts of things, you'd have to have a culture where people are allowed to make mistakes, you know, where you're allowed to fail. Because if you're not allowed to fail, then you're never going to admit to anything. Right. There's going to be just right. blame shifting on blame shifting. So that is one of the things that we sort of wired into the DNA of of our company is freedom to fail, you know? In fact, I think the, the way we phrase it actually is fail boldly, you know? <laughs> like don't, don't, don't hide from, from who you are or what you've done. And sometimes you're gonna mess up and sometimes you're gonna mess up interpersonally, but that's normal, that's expected, that's known, 
right? Uh, we're we're all human here, and so yeah, that, that makes you know if you guys are able to get to a point where people are actually stopping the gossip and going straight to one another, you know, to work things out, then clearly people feel permission to not be perfect. I want to stick with that for a second, Jordan, because that, I mean, that is an awesome thing that your company pushes and, and celebrates. I, I have a former coworker who did an exercise with some of her team members where instead of everybody producing a professional resume that emphasizes, right, career highlights and accomplishments and honors and so forth, to flip it and have everybody actually produce like a fail resume. Right. And it, and it was like the coolest thing, right? Because you can have fun with it and whatnot, but like to reflect on past failures and what you've learned from them and then present it in a way that's empathy goes up between yourself and your team members. And if we can all get to the state of just like, right, it's not always about achievement and right and status and all of these sometimes Machiavellian tendencies that we all fall into. But if we can appreciate that we're all human and we're all going to screw up every single day and we can find common ground in those failures and enjoy them together, right? There's some pretty cool camaraderie and learning and growth that comes out of it. So I thought that was a really cool exercise wow. for a team to do is for everybody to produce their fail resume. So wow. cool. Yeah. And it, and it obviously takes a measure of humility to even participate in that exercise genuinely. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Uh, if you can't admit some of those things, the humility is probably not there. Right? Totally. When it comes to, you know, clearly culture is huge for you guys. You, you prioritize it. You've got it clearly defined. You know who you want in your organization. You've got strategies for dealing with conflict. What are the elements that are, this is less less fun to talk about maybe, but what are the elements that are less interpersonal and more kind of systematic, more policy benefits, compensation driven? Like, how do you take those values and, and that, that mission and how does it permeate kind of the, the policies that you create for your company and the way that it's structured? I'll tell you about an initiative we got going on right now that's been in the works for, for a long time. So career pathing and just talent development within our organization. Sure. Thinking back to what I mentioned at the very first part of this conversation, for a long time, we were hiring people that we had worked with before. They were pretty senior in the spectrum of consulting. And right. so the demand for our employees to want to have a career path, I don't want to say it didn't exist, right? Everybody always values professional development and continuous learning. Sure. but having a objective career path on how I get from here to here in the company, it didn't exist. And so mm -hmm. around a little bit more than a year ago, as we started to hire more and more either entry-level consultants or mid-career consultants, that became, of course, a really important piece of the employee experience, right? What's my yeah, career like absolutely. here? We do a good yeah. job of creating cause. We do a good job of creating community. But career has been something that Farwell has been trying to really, really do intentionally. And I think from a reflection coming from a place of humility and lessons learned, we have let perfect get in the way of good enough in trying to start demonstrating what that career mm -hmm. path 
looks like to our employees. So a tremendous amount of work has been going on behind the scenes in a way that we're telling ourselves, right? We're being collaborative in the back office. We're trying right. to do this in a way that's like very intentional so that we can show people the big picture of how all this stuff folds folds together. But over time, it right, the ripple effect started to happen, right? So it's like, we're talking about this thing and then somebody's like, oh, well, if we do that, then we should be also considering this thing over here. And it just kind of started compounding and compounding and compounding. Right. And so now we're at a state where it's like, team, we've been working on this for a long time with the greatest intentions of wanting to do it in the right way, the thoughtful way, the informative way. Sure. Right. But from our the lens of our employees, not being able to see demonstrable improvements, that's where Farwell is is kind of going now in our next stage of maturity. It's like getting to the standpoint where how do we simplify, how do we standardize, and how do we demonstrate iterative improvements for our organization over time? Mm -hmm. So uh, to get to your question, right, it's like that was a learning moment. We were trying to do it right. in reflection to our values and doing it in the right way, sure. but we kind of let perfect get in the way of good enough. And it's right. like any company, when you, right, when you hit a certain a certain phase in the next maturity leap, it's like, holy cow, all of a sudden it's really, how do I scale policies, right. processes, everything. systems, people, everything, right? It just happens. Yeah. You kind of think that you're able to like inch your way in to all that uh -huh. stuff, right? And right. not feel like it's all going to happen at once. And guess what? It all happens at once. And you're just yes. like, holy smokes, right? So that's, yeah, that's, yes. where, we're, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I think when you start to build a business, you imagine it like a staircase, but it's really more of an elevator. It's like it, it just it goes up and the doors open and all of a sudden you're on level three and I have no idea how you got there and how you're going to handle and get to level four. It's like, where's the button for the next one? You know, or can we go back down? Yeah. I like that. I like that. I had a team <laughs> member uh, just yesterday say he used he used kind of this analogy. He was like, yeah, it's like you know, Farwell's a semi truck barreling down a highway and this, the steering, the steering wheel is kind of seized up. So you, you can only kind of turn it like, right. A little bit either way. Right. And we got people leaning out of the windows and they're trying to like strap on things on top of the semis so that you can like come back. <laughs> and I just thought that was the most like perfect visualization, right. It's like for companies that have the beauty of getting into like a really rapid growth stage. Right. right? So I hope this right. doesn't sound like it's, it's a complaint. It's just a reality. And yeah, it's like, Hey, right. we're all, we're, we're all, <laughs> we're all leaning out the windows right now, trying to put on those right, uh, right. Wind blockers and got our hands on the yeah. wheel, trying to keep it going the right, the right way. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. The idea that everything's going to go perfectly in that scenario right, <laughs> is a little far-fetched, right? Like you, right. you need that permission to make mistakes and to, and to have things be good enough sometimes so that you can just keep the car on the road. Yeah. Just keep it on the road. Yeah. And I think that that's yeah. like one of the highest kind of, we use certain tools within our organization that helps us keep kind of real time sense on how our employees are doing from an employee engagement standpoint. So sure. really cool, like real time analytics and data and feedback. But one of the categories that we always score really, really high in is trust and leadership. And I think that that's been just an incredible asset 
to us over the years is when your team members feel that sense of trust and transparency coming from the top down, these right. challenges that we face, it really does feel like we're in it together and we're not missing information. We don't feel like Farwell is sugarcoating things or making stuff up. It's just like we trust them to give us the information and we trust them to make the right decisions. And it just helps us feel all the more in it together mm -hmm. is when you can lead with transparency and high communication and, and that sort of thing. So despite the growing pains that companies go through, when you have yeah. the sentiments of trust, then it's just like, well, yeah, it's hard, we're, but we're in it together and we're just gonna do what right. we have to do to, yeah. to make it more sustainable. Yeah, right. Yeah. So Nick, I know you well enough to know that building a great culture in your organization is is not a self-serving goal, right? You're out there just just loving on people and enjoying them and building culture because you think it's the right thing to do. However, let's talk to the CFO and the CEO and somebody that might be skeptical that might think, all right, I'm not much into the touchy-feely stuff. How does this impact my organization? How does this impact the bottom line, recruiting, retention, et cetera? How does the company benefit? And I know that's a far cry from the tone of everything that we've been saying, but if you we were to flip it on its head and say, how does the employer benefit? What would you say kind of top couple of things? Change, man. I think it comes back to change. Yeah, like you say, Jordan, it's like for a long time, organizational culture has been like this really gooey, nebulous. Some companies have it, some companies don't, but there's no right. art, there's no science, right? right. And now I, I think the reason why it's really at the forefront of just companies being viable now is because of the volume of change and disruption that has been impacting companies of all shapes and sizes. So, gosh, I'm trying to think of who said this quote. I think it was Justin Justin Trudeau. He said something like, the pace of change has never been faster than it is right now, and it'll never be slower than it is right now. Right now. Right? It's just like another one <laughs> yeah. where personally, professionally, you're like, yep, that's, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> so I think from the business angle, it's they're starting to realize that these, these big changes that they have to implement regularly that cause a tremendous amount of disruption to their people and their process and their technology, if they don't have a workforce that is bought into that change and bought into the mission and the values of that organization, those changes become very difficult to implement. And long-term, you're not a viable business if you don't have an engaged and inspired workforce. So I think that's the phase that we've gotten into now, which is right. Totally yeah. worth celebrating. It's just like right, it is. the business, the business side is all of a sudden like, Oh yeah, mm. that's a big deal. Wow. Yeah. I had to borrow from your analogy. If, uh, if you're barreling downhill on a semi and you can barely turn the wheel, right. The only way to really turn quickly and maneuver is to get everybody to run to one side or the other. Right. Like that's the only way you're going to be able to accomplish it. The person holding the wheel can only do but so much. Right. Right. And that's right. an area. And so, yeah, you know, I think that's fantastic. Like it's it's about your people being ready and willing to 
run through the change alongside the leadership and and everyone pulling their weight together or else you're just you're not gonna be able to turn fast enough you got it. and that's why this has always kind of been a, a core tenant of the the discipline of change management but now companies are really trying to instill resiliency into their organization and helping their individual employees cultivate that resilient mindset, mm. that agile mindset, that nimble mindset. It's called organizational readiness. It's right. How quickly are we able to respond and adapt to these really disruptive things that are happening to our right. company? But if we do it in a way like you described, Jordan, where we can rally people into the change and have everybody run to that side of the bus, like that is not only what makes companies competitive, frankly, it's what makes them viable in this right. in this day and age. Right. Them. Yeah. Yeah, it's just absolutely necessary. Well, Nick, really, really enjoyed being able to talk to you today. I could ask you a ton more questions, but in the interest of not using up all my beautiful questions on one one interview, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up here. But man, really appreciate the time. Anything you, as an outro, you want to say, anything you want to plug, pitch, you feel free, man. You showed up for me and the floor is yours. Plug, pitch. <laughs> I'll plug just because it works well. When Olivia asked for my for my title, I told her we could use Rogaine consultant. And so... <laughs> <laughs> but by her by her grace, she decided, no, I think I think we'll go with something more employee experience related. <laughs> so no, thank thank you for asking. I, I would say just we're all in this together, right? Trying to feel out the whole the whole now of work. The pandemic has been extremely challenging, but it has gifted us a lot of things that have been hidden in plain sight for so yeah. long that we're all kind of rallying behind right now. So no, just just a lot of of gratitude. So thank thank you so much for having me on this on this podcast. This was a joy talking to you. Hopefully viewership doesn't plummet after uh, <laughs> people tune in. Um, we won't blame you if it does. Yeah. No, I I would just say fringe has been one of the greatest employee experience strategies that we've deployed at mm. Farwell in all the years that we've been Appreciate we've been that. in business. It's, it's truly helped bring the values of our employees to life in a really unique way and then celebrated throughout the company in in what that what those experiences look like through subscription services and and whatnot so just a a heartfelt thank you for having me on the podcast yeah. and for what you guys continue to grow you have much and more to be proud of appreciate them i give him an opportunity to pitch and plug and he plugs my company what a guy what a guy <laughs> well thank you everyone for listening in and uh, we'll see you next week on bragworthy culture <laughs>